if you have your Bibles, um, you can um, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Welcome, everyone. Hello. It's a hot day, but we do have extra canopies, and I hope you have been able to find some shade. If you are getting really hot, um, we have some water in the refrigerator in that room for you to use. Um, and so, yeah, make sure that you do that. My name's Obed, I'm the pastor of this church. And if you're new here, this church has been in existence for about two and a half, actually, it's going to be our three year anniversary in March. I was waiting for like a response. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gonna be our anniversary. And we are very thankful to be here. And we are incredibly thankful over the last two, you know, nearly three years to have witnessed God actually not birth a church, but sustain a church in this city. And it's fantastic. And so welcome. Um, I love this. This is so cute. So lovely. I love just standing here and watching everyone. Um, not in a creepy way. <laughs> But in a way, I'm not going to say that. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Um, follow along as I read. It says, and they, that is the early church, they d devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, let's pray. God, we look to you this morning. We have been looking to you. And the reason why we've been looking to you is that we realize that in and of ourselves, we cannot bring about true and lasting change. We're also looking to you because we desire for you to work in a way that when we leave and we think about our gathering this morning, we'll be able to say, God, you, you showed up in a unique and in a life-changing way. And so, God, I pray for all of our hearts that we would be truly changed. Even though most of what we're going to be covering is familiar to us, God, may we see it and understand it in a new and in a powerful way. And so, Holy Spirit, you have been at work. and We pray that your work will become obvious and powerful in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, let me do this. Let me move this. No, I thought there was a shade somewhere. Let me just do this. Oh, yeah, that's better. That's, oh, that's better. All right. Um, at the beginning of the year, 
this is what we decided to do as a church. We decided to spend the, four, the first four weeks um, of the month of January to look at our vision and our mission. We wanted to look at closely at who we are and what we're here for. Who are we? We're a church family. Um, and what are we doing here? We're on mission with Jesus. Put simply, we exist to be a church family on mission with Jesus. And so the first week, what we did was we looked at what it means for us to be a church family. And we discovered that a church family is a people, not a building, right? A church family is a, not a building, but a people saved by Jesus who now relate to God as father and to each other as brothers and sisters. And we were blown away by that. We were like, for real? We're brothers and sisters? And what that, re what that actually, if we think about the implications of it, what that means is that if I am a Christian and you're a Christian, no matter where you're from and no matter what ethnicity you are, you are my brother or sister. And I have more in common with you than people that don't follow Jesus. Mind-blowing. So that's what we looked at the first week, all right? Last week, second week, we looked at the early church um, because the early church is kind of our blueprint, okay, of what a church family is and what we're trying to achieve. And so we looked at the early church to find out the things they were committed to and why we should pattern our church after the same things. And so we found out that they were devoted to scripture, to prayer and to gatherings, and above all, they were devoted to Jesus, because Jesus is everything. And so as a church family, that is why we are obsessed with Jesus. This week, this is what I want us to do. I want us to look at how everything we've covered so far shapes the way we relate to God and to each other. If we're a church family committed to scripture, prayer, gatherings, and Jesus, how then should we live? How do these practices and beliefs shape everything um, we do as a church? Put simply, what's expected of you as a member of our church family? And our passage for this morning helps us with that. It's a snapshot of the first Christian church in Jerusalem, and it gives us an idea of how they lived. First, we need to expect God to exceed our expectations. Look at verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Last week, we looked at how the early church were devoted to all of these things. And as they devoted themselves to these tenets of the Christian faith, look at what happens in verse 43. Look at verse 43. It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Did you just read that? That's what's happening. After they're devoted to seeking God through scripture, prayer, all of these things, it says they were in awe of God and witnessed God do signs and wonders through the apostles. All right, look. This verse obviously mentions signs and wonders, okay, and miracles. And there are so many different 
views and perspectives of you know the whole concept of miracles in Christianity um, um, what you know what are miracles why miracles why isn't God doing the same miracles that he did in the early church now you know should we expect God to move in the same way there's so many questions that need clarification when it comes to miracles but I'm sorry to disappoint you but this morning is not the time. We're not going to be able to use our time to cover that. If you're interested in learning more about miracles and signs and windows in Scripture and how it applies to our time, you can go on our website because we dealt with this all right, last year. Um, and you can learn more about all of that means. So I am sorry. All right? But you can go on our website and podcast to learn more. All right. However... We can learn something from verse 42, and this is what we can learn from it, that God did some awesome things amongst the early church. God worked powerfully in a way that left them in awe. And I would say this, since the start of our church, God has done some awesome things. He really has. We have actually seen people um, um, connect with our church, get saved, discipled, and baptized. We have seen God answer prayer in the most crazy way, all right? We're praying for something, and we're praying for something, and we're crying out to God, and we're like, God, you're the only one that can do this. And God has answered our prayer and so God has exceeded our expectations and as a church we must continue to believe he'll do far more than we ask or imagine and so I don't know about you but I am sick and tired of explainable mechanical Christianity you know the kind of Christianity that is content with church as usual. Just another Sunday, all right? Another weekday community group, just church, just going through the motions and the rhythms of church. I am sick and tired of it. Francis Chan, who's an author, a missionary, he says this, we have become too easily satisfied we are content if a person leaves pleased. God wants them awed. We have settled for the natural and our choices give little evidence that we believe in the Holy Spirit. For that reason, we end up with gatherings that are very explainable and at times feel mechanical and even obligatory. If God moved powerfully in and through the early church and has done so many times throughout the history of the church, shouldn't we believe he can do the same within our church? Why should we settle for the explainable, for the normal, and for the usual? All right. If, if we're not expecting God to exceed our expectations as a church family, what are we doing here? Why are we on mission? From the very beginning of this church, this has been our prayer. 
that God would move so powerfully that God would do such a work in our midst, it will never be traced back to human effort. That he'll move so powerfully, it will be obvious to us and to everyone else that it had nothing to do with us. It had nothing to do with how um, um, strategic we were. It had nothing to do with the fact that there's a pastor who has an English accent, you know? It had nothing to do with anything like that, but it had everything to do with God. That has been our prayer, and that will continue to be our prayer, that God would move so powerfully in five years, in 10 years. We'll be able to look back and say, everything we've seen happen wasn't because of us. God, you must have done this. We must expect God to continue to exceed our expectations. God is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. He really can. All right, the second expectation from you as a member of our church family is to be radically generous radically generous if you're right if you're making notes look at verse 44 and all who believed were together and had all things in common and so the early church says right here that they had all things in common it's another way of saying everyone shared everything they owned with others all right they lived with a mindset that said What is mine is yours. And because of this way of thinking, look at verse 45. It says they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Basically, if someone had a need and someone else could meet that need, what did they do? They they met the need. The basic needs of members of the church were met by the radical generosity of members of the church. They were radically generous towards one another. And so as a member of our church family, this is what's expected of you. This is what's expected of all of us. We're expected to be radically generous. And radical generosity is about this. And um, one blogger said it this way. Radical generosity is about downgrading your lifestyle in order to upgrade your giving. And you can be generous in so many ways. But firstly, um, you should be generous with your finances. Oh my gosh, we're talking about money at church. And I know when we talk about money at church, it's awkward. Um, And at times it's difficult for churches to talk about money, generosity and giving. But we have to have that conversation. Why? Because generosity, guess what, is a basic fruit of the Christian life and should be the standard we live by. When you look at your budget, for example, how much of it are you giving away? How much of it are you using for your own benefit? How can you make adjustments to your budget so you can be radically generous? I've heard it said that no one can ever write a check, a check big enough to impress God. 
No one can do that, okay? Never heard, like, Elon Musk, right? Jeff Bezos, put all of their money. If they were to write, no one can write a check big enough to impress God. That's true, why? Because God doesn't need our money, but this is important, yet he graciously invites us to invest in what he's doing in our city and around the world. Simply put, we give through the local church to invest in the kingdom of God. And so as a church family, our passion is to see lives changed locally and around the world. And as you invest financially in God's activity through King's Cross, you're not giving the money to us. You are giving the money through our church for God's purposes. And gosh, I wish we had time to talk about the whole idea of stewardship and how stewardship basically means everything we have doesn't even belong to us anyway. And so when we're giving money, right, to God's purposes, it's like we are giving money that God owns back to him, okay? It's like my kids buy me birthday presents or something, <laughs> all right? It's just it's the same concept. In their minds, they're like, yes, you know, I'm buying, no, I gave you the money so you could do it. All right, you get it. You guys are smart. And so let's be generous with our finances. And I have seen it in our church, the generosity, the radical generosity with our finances. I've experienced that. Um, my family and I, you know, we, we, we're trying to start this church. And there are times when we've um, um, encountered issues financially and we have seen people just walk up to us and hand us checks. And I am sure if you've been part of our church family or any other church family, you have experienced the radical financial generosity of other believers. Giving financially is not the only way you can be generous. You can also express generosity when we, you use your skills and expertise um, to serve others in our church family. And so the question is, what are you good at? How can you use your gifts, expertise, and time to serve your church family? So for example, are you a musician? If you're a musician, what are you waiting for? Sign up to join the music team. And I've seen some new additions to our music team and it's been amazing to see them really using their gifts and skills to serve God. And if you can't sing or play an instrument, no worries at all, okay? Um, there are other ways you can serve. We are currently in need of people to help set up um, on Sundays and we need a group of people to also put everything back when we're done. Like you guys are sitting comfortably in comfortable chairs and under canopies and there is this and we're live streaming the whole thing online and all of this is made possible by a team who show up early and we are currently in need of more people. And so if this, you consider King's Cross to be your home church, just sign up, sign up. Sign up and show up early so you can put and you can help with set up and tear down. Using your gifts and talents to serve our local church isn't only limited to Sundays, but you can be generous with your expertise in so many other ways and so many other times as well. And so this has been awesome. So in our church, we have several nurses, right, and doctors in our church, and I love seeing how generous they are with their expertise, all right? They're busy people, 
Okay, currently they're busy people, but I love how they're always willing to give advice and prescribe medicine for people in our church. It's been amazing to see that. And so the question is, what are you good at? What are your expertise? What are your skills? How can you use them to serve the church? And my thing is, don't wait to be asked, okay? Just come up to one of us and the leaders and say, I'm just really good at this. And we can say, man, like, wow, we have a need in this area. You know, I was just thinking about kind of our military personnel here. And I'm like, what could they help us with? You know, hey, I can shoot guns really well or something like that. <laughs> and I'm really strong and I can, like, swim. Like, how could, you know, where, you could do set up and tear down. That could help. You know, so all things like that. What are your expertise? And how can you use them to serve the church? Radical generosity is played out in so many ways. It's played out in hospitality, right? In being hospitable. It's um, played out in how you give your time and attention to listen to people when you talk to them. Right? It's played out even when you choose to forgive. When you pray for others, that is being generous, right? During the week, why don't you make a list of people, okay, and just spend some time praying for them? That is being incredibly generous with your time, all right? It's just you can be generous in so many ways. And like I said, my family and I, as the lead guy here, we've seen it over and over again. Let me just give you an example on how we can be creative in using um, what we have to serve others. There's one of our members in here that called me one day and said, hey, Obed, what I want to do is I just want to buy you lunch, okay? And I'm not asking you to like sit with me and talk and everything, right? I just want to buy you lunch and deliver that lunch to you. Right On that day, he texted me. He said, what do you want? You can have anything. And so I said, I want this. And so he went, he bought it, and he brought it to me. And he said, no pressure to hang out with me. All right? I just want to buy you lunch. Okay? And he doesn't live close. Okay? He kind of lives further out. And it's been amazing. And so you know, I, we have a girl in our church who has been um, generous towards my family by braiding my kids' hair. I've got two beautiful girls all right, who have these beautiful hair, and she comes and she spends like three hours each braiding their hair. It's a long time, and she is a busy girl, but she is generous with her time. So many ways. This morning, I heard one of our members, their tire, there was a hole in their tire. All right, and one of our members just like rolled up their sleeves with their kids and he helped fix the tire. These are some of, there's so many ways we can be generous. And as a church, we need to be generous in a radical way. We always need to be on the lookout to see how we can be generous with what God has given us. And so how can you be radically generous with what God has given you? How can you leverage the resources God has given you for the benefit of others? Author Tony Payne defines radical generosity in this way. Kindly giving someone more than you're obligated or expected to give. And so King's Cross Search, let's 
pursue and pray for a culture of radical generosity. Let's be a church family that is radical in our generosity by always looking to give more than we're obligated or expected to, okay? And that is intentional. I'm just, just note that I'm not saying just generosity. I'm saying radical generosity. Radical generosity is generosity that makes us uncomfortable. Okay, because I can be comfortable being generous when it's convenient for me. But the challenge is, let's seek to be generous in a radical way. Why? What, what, what's the point of this all? Because God, listen to this, because God gave to us in the most sacrificial way possible by giving us his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we may have life and life more abundantly. As a member of our church family, you're not only expected to be radically generous, but you're also expected to be actively involved. Look at verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. All right, members of the early church were actively involved in gathering together with other Christians. They went to the temple for scripture reading and prayers together. They also met together in their homes to enjoy good food and each other's company. Ross Ramsey, who's an author, says this. Their fellowship and worship was a mix of deep devotion and hearty laughter. Note that it says they were involved in these things with glad and generous hearts. Let's not miss that. It wasn't a duty for them, but it was a delight. They didn't meet together to check off some legalistic guidelines. It wasn't something they had to do. Like, I have to meet with other Christians. It was something they wanted to do. Every member of the church was devoted to meeting with other believers. For them, it was a priority. And so, as a member of King's Cross, you are expected to have the same mindset towards gathering together with members of your church family. All right? The expectation is that it will be a priority for you because Christianity is not meant to be lived alone, but with other brothers and sisters in community. We just cannot grow effectively as Christians in isolation. Okay, this morning I was talking to someone about how more and more, okay, the, the pandemic, there's just so many things about it that sucks, okay? But one thing I think that the pandemic has helped us, a, one good thing that has come out of the pandemic is it, the fact that we, I, I appreciate gathering with other Christians more and more. And you should as well. There are so many benefits to regularly gathering with members 
of your church family. Um, it, 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 when you gather with other believers, it's, you establish strong relationships. When someone new comes, and one of the things I hear over and over again is they're very much like, I, I want relationships, okay? I'm new to this city, and I want to build meaningful Jesus follower relationships with Jesus followers. And I always tell them, look, you've got to put in the time you can't just show up and expect it to happen. It takes time to build meaningful relationships with other Jesus followers. It just does. You have to be present and actively involved in gathering. That is how you're going to build meaningful relationships. Also, one of the benefits of regularly gathering is that you grow spiritually with other Christians. Ed Stetzer, who's kind of this whiz kid for research within the Christian um, world, he says this, a person actively involved in a group or spiritual community is too 0.5 times more likely to read the, Bi um, the Bible versus someone who isn't, and more than four times more likely to study scripture than someone who is not in a group. And it's not just reading and studying the Bible. Our research also shows that those in groups pray, give, serve, and fellowship more than people who are not. That's a fact of the matter. The other benefit of um, being part and being regularly invested in your church community is this. Um, and, and this is mainly for married couples. Brad Hambrick says this, a gospel-centered marriage protects itself by being meaningfully involved in community. He goes on to talk about how after many years of counseling, if you don't know Brad Hambrick, he's kind of like a rock star counselor. And he goes on to say, after many years of counseling, he's never had a couple say this to him. Brad, our marriage is in shambles. And we have been meaningfully involved in Christian community the entire time with both of us being transparent and honest with Christian friends that we trust. He said he's never heard that. And it makes sense, doesn't it? And of course, we don't want to idolize community, all of that. We, you know, we've got to be careful about that. But, but he's, he's making a point here that if you are married, if you are single, it's so important for you to be embedded regularly in Christian community and this is what I do premarital counseling and I do tons of that and I always say to the couple make sure that you are plugged in to a Christian community that you can be honest with and real with and that it can pray for you keep you accountable just make sure that is a priority as you get, don't get married and think, yeah, it's just me and my husband, just me and my wife, it's just us and Jesus. We are our community. No, you're not. You're one, and you need to be embedded in a church community. But as we talk about benefits of being involved in communities, one of the most overlooked 
but vital benefits of doing life with other believers is this. Listen carefully. It gives you opportunities to care for the souls of others. It gives you opportunities to care for the souls of others. Leaders are not the only one responsible for caring for members of our church family, right? The truth is the work of the ministry is not only limited to leaders, right? Um, It's also the responsibility of every member of the church to care and to love for other people. And so... As long as you're saved, this is what I always say, as long as you're saved, okay, you have God's spirit, and as a result, you're called and given everything you need to care for others. You just have. There are members of our church who are struggling right now, who are grieving the loss of loved ones, who are having major marital issues, who are super anxious about the future with everything going on with COVID. We have members of our church who are in bondage to habitual sins. And guess what? God has equipped you and placed you in close proximity to them so that you can come alongside them, encourage them, walk with them, and help them navigate this difficult season in their life. Don't leave it to the leaders. Don't hear about a person's struggles and you know, email and call one of the leaders. Like pray with them. There and there, or, and, and commit to praying with them. Your presence in community matters. It matters to you, and it matters to others as well. I agree with Tom Rayner when he says, if you're not actively involved in the life of the church, you are not fully committed to your church. You are a peripheral member. Um, He goes on to say, if you're not in regular fellowship with members of your church family, um, you are more likely to become disenchanted with your church. You are more likely to become um, a critic Instead of an encourager, you're more likely to drop out of your church. And as a pastor who's been pastoring for several years in Los Angeles and now here, I've seen that over and over again. The people that get disenchanted, the people that are critical, the people that are, end up wanting to drop out most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, are people that are not actively involved in the community. King's Cross Church, may we be a church family that is actively involved in gathering together with other Christians. Now, as we've been looking at the early church, and as we've been looking at um, how generous and involved they were, I, I know what some of you may be thinking. Is this even possible? 
Can we really be a church family that believes God can exceed our expectations? Can we really be a church family that is as generous and as involved um, as the early church in Acts? Oh, we're living in modern America. Life is crazy busy. We're living in San Diego. It's expensive. Plus, we're living with a global pandemic. And their situation back then was different. They were living in the ancient world, and it was a unique time in the church's history. So I don't know, Obed. I don't know if this, live, you know, if this way of living like a family and believing God to do great things and seeing God do great things and being generous and being all, I don't know if it's possible. And so the question is, is this kind of relationship with God and each other even possible? And the answer is, of course, absolutely yes. Why? I would say first, God has not changed. The same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God that healed the sick and walked on water and fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. He's the same God that died but defeated death through his resurrection. He's the same God who birthed his church and has been building his church ever since. And he's the same God that who has radically changed our life and brought us together as a church family on mission with Jesus in San Diego. God has not changed. He's at work and he will continue to exceed our expectations. That is why I believe this is absolutely possible. Second reason why this is all possible is this, that when we read about the early church and we get this snapshot of how they related to each other, we can tend to think they were perfect. But the church in Acts were imperfect, okay? If you read Acts, you will see that there were disagreements, there were divisions, there was um, um, all of these issues that they had, all right? If you read Paul's letters to the churches that were planted out of kind of the historical narrative of Acts, you would see that Paul wrote to churches um, specifically to help them deal with issues that they have. And so the churches weren't perfect. And that's helpful for us because we look at ourselves and we look at our church family and we're like, we're not perfect. We are imperfect as a church. But despite the many flaws and issues and imperfections we have and we will have, God will remain faithful and he will continue to leave us in awe of who he is and what he does. And the last reason why I think this is all possible is that what God, whatever God is calling us to, and whatever God requires of us, he gives us everything we need to accomplish it. God has given us the scriptures. God has given us his word. God has given us his spirit. God has given us each other and has given us ultimately Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generosity. He died so that we may receive life. 
So King's Cross Church, as a church family on mission with Jesus, may we expect God to exceed our expectations because Ephesians 3.21 reminds us that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. King's Cross Church, may we believe, may we believe and may we live radically generous with each other because John 3.16, reminds us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. King's Cross Church, may we be actively involved in being together. Why? Because Hebrews 10, 24, 25 exhorts us to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have an amazing opportunity right now in our era to function in a way that absolutely leaves us in awe of God. Like, there are, everyone knows what's going on. The world is jacked up. It's always been jacked up, and we're just exposed to it now, okay? We're just seeing. And what if we not only just came and listened to this, but we actually pursued being a church family that seeks God for God to do great things and we became a church family that absolutely relates to each other and are generous towards each other and we became a church family that absolutely prioritizes gathering together if we were to do that imagine what could happen So my challenge to you is don't just come and listen this week. Read the scriptures. We send out these study notes. And those study notes are not for you to just study alone. Um, If you want to be added to our mailing list, do that. But we want you to gather and study and think through everything we've discussed and pray and continue to pray that God would truly enable us by his spirit to be not just a church, but a church family that is truly on mission with Jesus Christ. Who's up for that? Yeah? Why not? What are we doing here? I'm always like, why not? Let's just go for it. Let's pray. God, Thank you. Thank you so much. You are King. You are Lord. You are Savior. And God, we look to you. That you would take everything we've looked at this morning and everything else we're going to be looking at, singing and reflecting, and that you would continue um, to 
do the work you want to do. You know every single one of us and you know what challenges we need, what, what we need. Um, God, I pray that you would not only challenge us, but you would encourage us by pointing us to your son, Jesus Christ. And when we look at Jesus and all that he is and all that he's done, we would be reminded and we would be reminded of your grace and your power and we would be inspired to live the life you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.